Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents Check Both Her Feet Written by Shane Superville And narrated by Cole Burkhart The therapists weren't working. Neither have the churches I've been to. I'm also afraid to try medication in case it messes me up even more than I already am. These days, I only leave home for work, and I try not to look at anyone, especially women, for too long. I haven't spoken to Jason or Kari since the funeral. I'm posting this here not because I expect you to believe me, but I need to purge myself of this and try to assure myself that I'm not crazy. That I saw what I saw. Let me just start by saying I have horrible luck with women. I don't know if I'm cursed to continue to fall into this awkward state of mind whenever I try to hold a conversation with one, but it's always been one of my biggest flaws of most of my teenage life and even into my 20s. I live in the capital city of Port of Spain in the Caribbean island of Trinidad. Every Friday night, my friends, Jason, Damani, Kari, and I would go out to the bars and nightclubs in Arapita Avenue, the city's entertainment district, to try our hands at trying to get the attention of some girls. Both of them had the looks and charisma to attract any female they wanted, and would always walk away with a phone number. At least. I, on the other hand, just had to watch and sip on a beer in the distance, just wondering what it would be like to have that kind of presence. At first, I felt embarrassed and dejected by it, almost as if I was less than a man, but over time I came to terms with the fact that I would most likely be alone for the rest of my life. I didn't like it, but I also realized that there wasn't much I could do about it. I just needed to accept the inevitable. This ain't gonna work out, you know. Kari said, looking at me in the rearview mirror after a night out. What do you mean? It's the same thing every time. We're out dancing and talking to some girls, and you always in the corner like a moot. Things aren't gonna change unless you want it to change, man, Kari said sternly as he drove us around the corner. Jason was half-drunk in the passenger seat, but he was also paying attention. Yeah, bro, he's right. 
You need to try harder next time. It's it's just sad at this point. Damien was in the back seat with me. He only looked at me with an expression of genuine concern mixed with disdain. I just sat there in silence. They were right. I wasn't trying because I had already given up. I tried explaining to them that I didn't care anymore and I just wanted to go through life without any more disappointment. I tried explaining how hard it was for me to talk to women and how I would rather be by myself than constantly be a walking joke to them, but they didn't believe me. A few days had passed before I heard from Damien. He told me there was a cooler party, or a fate as we called it in Trinidad, in Rio Claro, a town at the southeastern edge of the island over the long weekend, and he wanted me to come. Of course, I didn't want to go, but he insisted. Listen, those other guys wouldn't understand, but I do. It's hard for you, but I promise you that this will be worth it, he said over the phone. Damien was one of my oldest friends. I knew him since secondary school, and I could have trusted him with anything. He himself saw how hard I had tried over the years and knew that it wasn't easy for me. I just, I don't want to feel like I'm holding them back, you know? It's, it's hard for me too, you know? Yeah, I know, but you know how Kari is. He ain't gonna be happy until he put a woman on your dick. Trust me, a change of scenery away from those uptight city girls is just what you need, and I won't let them fellas pressure you into doing anything you don't want to do, he said. Let me think about it. Being rejected was one thing, I, I was cool with that, but having to drive all the way out to the Southland just to get it there was a bit much. I called my dad up and asked for advice. With the exemption of Damani, he was the only other person in my life who I could trust with these things, and I spoke to him about it over dinner at his house one evening. What would it hurt to go and try something new? You said it yourself, you don't have to pay for anything. Think of it as a free run. What else are you going to go and do for the weekend? He said, pouring a glass of juice. I know, but... But nothing. Despite all this acceptance of being alone nonsense, you really should start trying harder. One of these days, you're gonna see the value of companionship. <laughs> Look at me. My mother died just a few days after I was born, and my father never remarried. He never raised his personal life to me before, so I thought it was strange. He could tell I was concerned and told me, You should go. The women in the South are simpler. Who knows? You won't regret it. Yeah. I might, I said, finally relenting. Whatever you do, just watch out for those women and uh, wear protection, please. I laughed as he continued. And don't get separated from your friends. Things happen to city fellows like yourself, and when you go to the countryside, a lot of things in those cane fields. I expected him to laugh or to even crack a smile, but his face was serious, and no grin appeared below his prominent black mustache. You still believe in that foolishness, Daddy? I asked. He shot me a glare that took me back to my childhood. It was almost menacing, as if I was ten years old and I broke the rocking chair all over again. Just watch yourself for me, please. I've been out here longer than you have. I've seen things. The weekend finally came and we were on our way to Rio Claro. The invite on social media promised us three days of food, music, and women. Kari told us he rented a guest house near the venue of the fate, so we wouldn't have to worry about missing out on anything. After packing up a cooler with ice and drinks in the trunk of Kari's car, we were on the highway, ready to anything. 
I was still apprehensive about going to this party, but it couldn't be any worse than sitting in my apartment alone being bitter at life. I looked back to those moments and wished for a warning. Anything that could have caused us to turn around. It was a two-hour drive to Rio Claro from the city, so we had a lot to talk about on the ride. Jason joked about how he was going to break a record and bag the most amount of women, even in opening the glove compartment in Kari's car to reveal a massive amount of condoms, literally spilling onto the floor. We all laughed, but it wasn't long before the topic of conversation came back to me. So you're not going to be a sour turd this weekend, right? You actually going to let your dick breathe, right? Kari said, looking at me in the rearview mirror. Yeah, for sure. I said hesitantly, looking at Damani for support. He only nodded his head. We got to the guest house by around 8.30pm. We had just enough time to check in, take a shower, and get dressed before heading out to the fair. We got to the venue, a sizable vacant lot, about 30 minutes later. Even in the parking lot, we could tell the party was already in full swing. Once we got inside, a colorful, vibrant atmosphere filled the room as the music blasted. Drinks were poured, and curvy women in skimpy clothing danced and shook their asses to the beat. Jason brought back a bottle of white rum from the cooler, and we finished more than half of it in less than five minutes. We were properly tipsy at this point as the party continued to pick up the pace. What happened next was just a mishmash of memories that continue to haunt me even as I write this out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I remember Kari got called out to move the car while Damani went to the washroom to take a piss and throw up, as I would later find out, while Jason took turns whining and grinding up against two sisters at the back half of the lot. I was left alone, and my head was totally gone. I felt the world spinning and decided to take a seat on the cooler before I fell over and embarrassed myself. That's when she appeared. I felt a tap on my shoulder and turned around, and even between the blurriness that came from alcohol and exhaustion of dancing, I could tell she was gorgeous. Brown skin with shoulder-length wavy hair and the most captivating eyes. Her eyes were big and round. The left one was brown, and the other one was black, her cleavage and underboob showing, clad in a flowing, low-cut gown. One slender-toned leg peeped out from behind the slit of a skirt. "'You okay?' she asked, almost singing. I was so entranced in her beauty and, well, drunk, I couldn't do anything but slowly nod with my mouth slightly open. Mmm. I was watching you over there in the corner and was waiting for your friends to go away so we could talk. I hope I'm not bothering you. My eyes were fixed on her. Still unable to form words, I shook my head from side to side. She smiled, revealing a perfect set of bright white teeth. You're really cute, you know. My friends left me here too, but I don't think they'll be back, so I'm kind of looking for a ride back to the guest house where we're staying. I fought back the urge to throw up as I stumbled to my feet, trying desperately not to fall over as I did. 
Well, as soon as my friends get back here, we could drop you off where you stay and... I slurred. She smiled again. This time I could swear her teeth looked bitter, but maybe it was just the lighting and the angle. Before long, Jason came back, and so did Kari, but Damani didn't. We waited for almost half an hour, but he was still nowhere to be seen, even after checking the washroom. He probably went home with one of my friends, the girl said. One of them said they found a cute guy in a floral shirt and took him back. Kari and Jason exchanged stepdaughter glances before I spoke up. Come on, um, sure he's good wherever he is. I didn't have much experience with women, but based on her body language, I could tell she was into me, and I was definitely into her. Who knew? My dad was right. By this time, it was already after 2 a.m. We were driving along dirt roads back to the guest house. After directing Kari through several back roads, which took us through overgrown fields, as tall stalks of plants and leaves towered on either side of the car, some of them even long enough to reach into the car itself. So what's your name? It's Laura. It's nice to meet you. I don't need to time out much these days, but it's nice to meet a nice guy like you. I should see Kari shot me a wink of approval in the rearview mirror before he broke the silence. So, uh, where are we going exactly? I'm not from south, but I think we passed most of the guest houses back there. There's another one just up ahead, I promise, she said, crackling another gorgeous smile. After driving for about 15 minutes through more dirt roads, Laura told Kari to stop the car. We were literally in the middle of someone's cocoa field at this point. It was nice meeting all of you, really. The guest house I'm staying at is just behind the field, she said before pulling me in for a kiss. She was stronger than I thought. As she grabbed my shirt collar and drew me in with one arm and a firm pull. We locked lips for no more than a few seconds, but it was amazing. I did feel her tongue inside my mouth and knew she wanted me. Of course, it doesn't have to end right now, she said, looking deep into my eyes. I never felt like this before. A raw, primal feeling began coursing through my heart and my mind as I looked down at her breasts and one visibly toned leg. Kari looked at me with a mixture of confusion and admiration, while Jason was already passed out in the front seat. "'Bro, what are you doing?' he asked. I could feel myself answering, but I couldn't remember what I said exactly. "'You can't exactly call an Uber out here, you know. Just give me a call in the morning and come pick you up or something.' Before I knew it, I stepped out of Kari's Nissan and out into the cold night air. Immediately, I could feel the sting of mosquitoes as they descended upon me. I was still a little drunk from the party, so I struggled to keep up with Laura through the winding maze of cocoa plants. She seemed to limp through the fields rather than walk. I began thinking about how odd it must be walking through this bush with high heels on, but I can't remember seeing both of her legs. At a few times, I lost track of her, only to see her shape reappear between plants a short distance away. You must be a damn fool doing this, I thought to myself. This is just how people get killed out here. You still keeping up, baby? I heard her call from the darkness. She sounded like someone trying to fight back a laugh. Yeah, I'm here, I said trying to jump over an old log. How far is the guest house? I called out, not seeing her through the darkness and the branches of the plants. No response. Figures. She was probably just going to leave me out here to troll me. In a matter of seconds, her friends would jump out and take turns laughing at me. I would never do that to you, hun, 
I heard a voice behind me. I spun around so quickly I almost fell over. There she was, a perfect silhouette of a woman, just a couple feet from me. I couldn't make out her features in the darkness, but I knew it was her. Who else could it be? How you got behind me? Don't think about it, she said. I could feel the tension in the air as I walked towards her. I looked at her as she finally came into view under the moonlight, and I half expected her to be transformed into some ghoul, but she still had the same beauty queen smile. She pulled me in close and began kissing me again. I felt my dick press up against her thigh, and I knew it was going to happen right now in this field. I needed to breathe, so I tried pulling away from her, but she kept a firm grip on my shirt. I tried tapping on her shoulder to let me go, but she still kept the vice-like grip on me. Suddenly, I felt it. A long, cow-like tongue entering my mouth. It went deep to the back of my throat as I opened my eyes wide, trying to scream, but only gags and gurgles escaped my throat. I eventually kicked myself away from her. I looked back up and saw her. She wasn't the beauty queen I thought she was. She was an ugly, decomposing old hag as she cracked a smile to show her slimy, pink, toothless dumbs with wide, wild eyes. I could feel my face twist in horror as I looked at this thing. Beneath her skirt, I began to see her other leg. The right leg. Instead of the shapely brown leg I saw at the party, I saw what could only be described as a cow's hoof bent sickeningly. Oh, come on. I'm waiting for you. She said before the long tongue dropped out of her mouth. Her jet black mass of curls and no strands of gray hair holding on to her almost bald head. I began screaming as I ran through the cocoa plants. Behind me, I could hear a galloping as branches broke and leaves were crushed. As I tried to run, I felt a strong tug at the back of my shirt as long nails dug into the flesh around my shoulder. I could feel hot, sticky blood running down around my neck and back. I screamed out in pain as I felt my feet lift off the ground. I turned around just in time to see this hideous old woman. In fact, she looked less like a woman and more like a cow with an elongated face and head, but with vaguely human features. I managed to wrestle myself out of her grip as I continued to run towards the road. My legs burning from exhaustion, I could still hear her laughter all around me. Sometimes it sounded like it was behind me, other times it felt in front of me, and sometimes to the side. The last thing I remember was collapsing near a clearing of the field. I woke up a day later at one of the district hospitals to find my dad at my bedside. Oh, thank God you're okay, he said tearfully as I woke up. Daddy, what's going on? He looked at me with wide, tear-filled eyes. Son, what happened out there? I thought back at the ordeal with her. I didn't know if to tell him the truth or if I should make up some story. The guys could back me up. They were there with me. Kari, Jason, and... Damani. Where's Damani? I asked. My father's eyes broke eye contact with me. I think you should talk to the police. I spent the next few days in the intensive care unit of the hospital, recuperating from multiple scratches to my back and neck. I was told there were hoof prints found on my body by a farmer who lived in the area. 
The farmer himself, I was told, refused to even touch me and called the police to do so. After being declared fit enough for interview, I spoke to homicide officers who told me that Damien's body was found just a few meters away from where I was, out in the Toto field. But that was impossible. He was using the washroom when we left him at the party, I told one of them. Did you see him go into the washroom? No, but where else could he go? That was before I met up with Laura. Who? The officer asked. How was I gonna work around this? They would think I was crazy, but I didn't have a choice. What was I gonna do? Lie? So I told them everything. At least as far as I could remember. Between the story, they kept a serious face and didn't cut me off once. In fact, they wrote it all down from beginning to end and even took pictures of the wounds on my back. I suppose they chalked it up to me being drunk out of my mind, or not. We'll keep in touch, one of them said before handing me his card. So, what was the cause of death with Damani? I asked before they left. Strangulation. There were also visible lacerations to the inside of his mouth. I sat there for almost an hour, unable to move. I felt like crying. I felt like I could die. I was eventually discharged from the hospital and stayed with my father until I could hear properly. He took good care of me, and while I was staying there, I took some time to go through the family album he kept. I hadn't gone through it in years, especially after I moved out. While turning the pages on birthdays and Christmas parties, I came across it. Her. Laura was on one of the first pictures of the album, and she was holding me. I felt my hands shake as I yelped. She had the same caramel brown skin, same dark mass of curly hair, same beauty queen's smile. I looked at the back of the picture and saw it. December 31st, 1990. Laura holding baby Tristan. My fingers shook as I flipped the page back over to see the angelic image of my mother was replaced by the same hideous hag I encountered that night. The baby she was holding in the picture, me, was replaced with a bloodied corpse. I screamed out so loud my father, who was outside at the time, ran in and saw me crying. He tried to comfort me, but of course didn't see what I saw. From that day, I kept seeing her more and more frequently. At Damien's funeral, she was there amidst the gravestones. I see her at work, and at night I can still hear her chuckle. I used to think that solitude and loneliness were the worst things to happen to a man, but now I want it. I need it. For my own sanity. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected 
by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of Creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. SCP Archives with full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from the LGBTQ perspective. The Boo Crew for horror-centric interviews. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.